the theme of our readings today is God is doing something new if we would open our hearts to receive it. That's the message in the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. He was speaking around six centuries before the birth of Christ, 600 years. And he was referring way back to the beginning of the creation of Israel, the first exodus, when God intervened and did something new there, where he brought them out of slavery. They had been there for 450 years. Pharaoh was trying to wipe out their religion by making them work seven days a week so that they wouldn't remember their festivals and their God, and they would be assimilated into Egypt's society, many gods, paganism. God intervened in a powerful way with many miracles through the Red Sea and manna from heaven, water from a rock. And yet now, the prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God, saying, that event that was etched in your mind as the greatest event possible in the history of our people, don't even remember it, because God now is doing something new that he's never done before. Do you not perceive it? Now we know what that newness was and is, the incarnation of Christ. We see the implications of that in the gospel, where we have a woman caught in adultery. Now in the Old Testament, under the old law, we know what would happen. It was etched out in the Ten Commandments, and especially the, the Torah. She would be stoned to death. That was the sense of justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And now God is doing something absolutely unheard of and new in Christ. Christ would come, take on our sinful nature, bring it to the cross. He would be the woman caught in adultery in a sense of taking on her sin and redeeming her. And that's exactly what he does in the gospel. Unheard of in the Old Testament. They would sacrifice animals, but even that wouldn't really forgive sin or give the power of the people to actually be redeemed. Here, God sends his son to be a sin offering. And what happens to the woman? She is set free. The scribes and the Pharisees don't want that. They're from the old. They don't want to see anything new. They're set in their ways. They're like the older brother in last Sunday's gospel that would not accept the prodigal son back into the family because he considered himself as having slaved to his father, who he really didn't consider as a father, but as a master. And here this younger son has squandered the inheritance. As far as he was concerned, the younger son was dead, but not the father. The father welcomed him back, was looking for him, put the best robe on him. He was now truly a son. He would never forget that incident where he knew he was dead in his sins and now his father took him back. That's what Jesus is doing with this woman. She is the prodigal daughter. Now, we're meant to see ourselves in her because we've all sinned. Now, we may not have been shamed like she was publicly, trotted out before the crowds, but we know our sin, our conscience witnesses to it, and God knows it as well, and God wants to make us new. What happened to this woman, we don't know. But scholars have speculated that, in fact, she probably was Mary Magdalene, because Mary Magdalene had seven demons 
And seven is the number of perfection, of completeness. I mean, she was totally possessed. She must have done many, many sinful acts. And yet we know God, through Jesus, redeemed her, and she became his closest follower. In fact, at the cross, all those pillars, those apostles, they fled. Peter fled, denied knowing Jesus, and Judas betrayed him. Not Mary Magdalene. She knew she was now a true daughter of God. She was going to be there at the cross. In fact, she followed Joseph of Arimathea to the tomb so she could know exactly where he was buried. And she was the last one to leave that tomb in that night. And she was the first one to be there on Sunday so that she could anoint the body. And something new happened to her again because the stone was rolled away and God revealed himself in Christ as the gardener and told her to go and tell those disciples about the resurrection. So she was the first to receive the resurrection. She was the first to proclaim the good news. She was the apostle to the apostles. That's what happens when something new, completely new, occurs in a person's life through God. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be like that woman, not in our sin, but in our redemption. And not to be tempted like the scribes and Pharisees who wanted to throw stones at her and put her to death. Now, we don't pick up stones in our life, for sure. But maybe in a more subtle way, we can be tempted to do that because through slander and gossip and detraction and calumny, all of those sort of spiritual stones, we can destroy a person's life. And especially with social media, it's so tempting and many people engage in it. All those likes and dislikes and subscribe and not to subscribe and all of the vitriol in the comment section. And it can even get so bad that you know young people can fall into some pretty obvious sins and when they are caught, maybe on social media, and then they're cyberbullied, put out for everyone to see, publicly shamed, maybe they've been involved in some kind of sexting scandal, they then submit themselves to the death penalty. That's how bad it gets. So it's, it's very, very serious temptation to be like that older brother in the scribes and Pharisees. God wants us to be different. He wants us to be new. And we can be passive-aggressive as well, and that's just like throwing stones. Will we accept that newness is the question. That's where redemption, that's where our own confession of sins comes to play. I'll just end with a story that I came across, a Spanish story of a father and a son who had been estranged they had an argument. The son ran away, and a few days afterwards, the father set out to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an advertisement in the most important newspaper in Madrid. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. And that is, I think, endemic of what's going on in our culture, that we are hungry for love. We're hungry for forgiveness, reconciliation. We have been reconciled. We have been forgiven. We're going to receive Christ in the Eucharist. We're favored. May we be like Christ.
and present something new. That is, we don't react like the scribes and Pharisees. We don't throw stones. We forgive, we build up, we reconcile, even when it hurts, because we're Christ. And we have this mission. And the mission is to bring people who have been ostracized and are hungering for love and bring them into a relationship with Christ and through Christ to the Father. And that's our whole mission. It's a beautiful mission. And here's the question. Will we be made new? Or will we revert to the old ways? I've been hurt, and I'm not going to forgive. I won't forget. And I'll cast stones one way or another. That's really the question. May God open our hearts. And as he did something new to the Israelites, bringing them out of slavery, through all those miracles, may he bring us out of spiritual slavery to our own fallen ways, make us brand new and witnesses with joy because we've met Christ. We've met the Father. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. Today, God is putting an advertisement in this liturgy. All is forgiven. He's inviting us back into a relationship with him. May we rejoice, be glad, and reconcile with our neighbor.